hey guys, guess what? I got to sing and I got to praise along with guys like Matthew West this week and I got to sit and hear Dr. David Jeremiah bring a sermon just for me and all kinds of folks. But there is no better place to be than in your church with your church family. Amen. What a wonderful time to worship together. And I bring greetings from Nashville, Tennessee, from the Southern Baptist Convention. And today's purpose of our our message today, I want to share with you Two times a year, I do what's called, I bring a message from the messenger. As I attend different conventions throughout our state, and as I go to the Southern Baptist Convention each year to represent our church as a messenger, to have our voice heard amongst the greater work of what's going on in the Southern Baptist Convention, I also want to hear what's going on amongst the churches to be able to share with you just a glimpse of how great our God is that we just sung about, but how great his work is amongst his church. And I want to share with you today a little bit of information about what is going on. Now, as you can imagine, I listened to a few sermons this week, so I'm a little fired up, right? My tank is full. But there's a theme that I was listening to that I don't believe was a concerted effort. I believe it was the Spirit of God that was moving in many of the themes that I heard from different events all over Nashville as I was listening to people talk about the great work of God and why it is so urgent for you and I to be a part of this work. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to turn your Bible to the Revelation, this one prophetic book that we have in the New Testament, and I want you to find your place in chapter 7. And in verses 9 through 11, I want to share with you the theme that of all I heard all week long, of all the discussions, of all the sermons, I even heard people pray and preach a sermon in their prayer, all right? I mean, so I was filled up with preaching and messages and scripture. But the one thing that I kept coming back to in my prayer, God, what do our people, what is it that will profit them the most? And here's the verse I want to share with you out of the great prophetic book, the Revelation. Revelation 7, 9 through 11. The scene is the great tribulation has gone on, and there are those that are there that are hearing for the first time, potentially, the, the, the freedom that we have in Christ that are being saved amidst this tribulation. And then John, exiled on the Isle of Patmos, brings this wonderful vision that Jesus himself gives him, and this is where we pick up during this time. Now, the church is already raptured. The church, Jesus has already come. He's called the bride of Christ with him, right? And the tribulation is going on. So here's what's happening during this time and what we see happening here. He says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and worshiped God, and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. What a wonderful understanding of this scripture verse. Join me as we pray over today's message. So, Father, we thank you for this wonderful vision where you show us that there will be a day that all tribes, all tongues, all nations will stand before your throne, and we will worship you. We will worship the Lamb of God. Christ Jesus, our Savior, and we will bow in your presence, and we will, again, be your people and dwell amidst you. Father, we know how the end of this book concludes. You remind us that you are coming very soon, that there is urgency in our action. So I pray now as I share this vision of the Southern Baptist Convention and what we are a part of as a church aligned and joined with them on mission for your church. 
Father, help us to have an understanding and an urgency and a fervor about your work. I pray now that our hearts will be touched, that we will be encouraged and spurred to action, to the good works that you've called us to. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So over much deliberation, Dr. Ronnie Floyd, now some of these names may not be familiar with you, but we have a thing called an executive committee where Dr. Ronnie Floyd is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, the CEO, if you will. And what Ronnie does is he, he handles the day-to-day business of our convention, making sure all of what we are doing as a convention of churches lines up in a direction that matches with a vision. And what Dr. Floyd brought to us at the convention, along with all of our messengers, and I will share with you in some of our vision statements how the messengers had a hand and crafting, and changing, altering, and adding to the mission of the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. So I want to share with you a little bit of Dr. Floyd and our overall Southern Baptist Convention vision 2025. There are six specific points to this vision, and what I'm going to do for you is I want to help you understand a biblical basis for where we are going as a convention of churches, as we are aligned with the Southern Baptist Convention, as we are aligned with our giving through the cooperative program. I'm going to explain a little bit about that. Folks, here's the deal. I grew up, and when I came to Christ at 26, I grew up in church in SBC life. I just happened to come to Christ in an SBC church, y'all. I didn't make it a point to look for an SBC church and then come to Christ. God found me and put me where I was. Amen? So in growing up in the SBC church, here's what I remember and recall now that God has called me to be a pastor, and he's put me with this awesome responsibility, as one of our Sunday school classes talked about this morning. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 25, Paul says, With the burden that you called me to, I proclaim the gospel. Right? Folks, there's things in my life as a member sitting in a pew that I never understood, I never even knew existed in our church life. I didn't know there was a thing called the cooperative program that when I tithed, our church gave a percentage of that money to do I don't know what with. What, what does it do? Where does it go? I don't know. I didn't know there was this thing called the Southern Baptist Convention where they met to discuss things like vision or a thing called the International Mission Board where we sent missionaries. Now, many of you grew up in church in Southern Baptist life. Matter of fact, if I cut some of y'all, y'all would, y'all would bleed Southern Baptist casserole, okay? I know that's what would happen. Many of us, many of you bleed the Southern Baptist casserole, whatever that may be. But some of us that come to Christ outside of SBC life, we come to Christ in a Baptist church, but yet we don't know the greater workings of what it means, not just doctrinally to be Baptist, but the greater family that we're a part of, and this engine we call the Southern Baptist Convention, why we're a part of that and what it does according to Scripture in advancing the kingdom of God. Okay? So I hope today you'll hear a little bit about that, and you will see what I see now from my, my position that what God is doing amongst His church is greater than anything we can see here locally on, on our level. God is doing a work with His church that is so much larger than we often see. And I want to share a little bit about that vision with you and show you and share with you what God is doing around the world. And I'm going to introduce you to a few of our leaders amongst the Southern Baptist Convention, gentlemen like Dr. Paul Chitwood, who leads the International Mission Board. 3,600 missionaries plus right now that we, as Southern Baptist churches, send to the mission field to proclaim the gospel to the nations, to the unreached people groups, to every tribe, every tongue, every ethnic that does not know Christ. We as an SBC church have a hand in that. I'm going to let's share with you Dr. Paul Chitwood and what he says about that. And here at home, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Kevin Ezell, 
who heads up the North American Mission Board. Do you know we have missionaries right here in North Carolina that are focused on send cities, cities of high-density population where 80% of the world's population live in urban cities? And the strategy that is behind planting churches in urban communities, in urban neighborhoods, in urban cities, and rural cities around the nation of America, North America, and planting churches to take the gospel to the unreached people group here. You know, in North Carolina alone, there are over 360 languages spoken on a daily basis in our school systems. What God is doing around the world, he is bringing the nations to us here. This year alone, the Hispanic population in North Carolina is almost going to double, according to the census projections. The Hispanic population is going to double. In the Sand Hills Baptist Association, we have three designated areas alone called pockets of lostness in our community, which means a very small percentage of those living in that area among that ethnic group know the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have three Hispanic pockets of lostness right here in our own Sand Hills Baptist Association, right here in Moore County and the lower portion of Lee County. Three pockets of lostness identified. So let me share with you a little bit of vision. And again, for your notes, what I'd like you to do is take down the scripture reference that I'm attaching with this. You won't see these scripture references anywhere if you Google this. All right, this is, I said to myself, Lord, how do I help them see the scriptural basis for what we're doing? So I've attached a few of those visions to it, uh, uh, scriptures for you to help you cling on to what the scripture says about this. Let's start off with the first one. In strategic action number one, I invite you to turn or write in your notes, Mark 16, 15, and verse 16, and you can just follow along on the screen if you like. But write it down in your notebook, and that way you can go back and look at it. This is the basis for what I would call our strategic action number one. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world... And proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Y'all catch that part? But whoever does not believe will be condemned. What a wonderful verse from our scripture. So let me share with you strategic action number one that we are a part of as a Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Dr. Ronnie Floyd and all 17,000-plus messengers that were there voted and approved this is one of our strategic goals between now and 2025. Number one, to increase our total number of full-time, fully-funded missionaries by a net gain of over 500 new missionaries, giving us 4,200 full-time missionaries funded by the IMB. Now, how does the IMB? IMB doesn't fund anything. Churches fund the IMB. Churches, through their giving to the cooperative program, allow us to employ and send 500 more missionaries. But folks, here's the deal. IMB doesn't send missionaries. We send missionaries. The local church sends missionaries. IMB doesn't have a missionary generator uh, at their headquarters in Richmond, Virginia. Although they have a missionary training facility, it's the local church that sends missionaries. Paul Chitwood in his, his presentations and discussions over the last couple of years has made that known, that churches are responsible, churches are equipping, and churches are the action arm of our IMB mission field. Churches send missionaries. Maybe one of you. Maybe you that hasn't figured out exactly how God has put this burden on you, you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you, maybe one of our children, as we plant the seeds about the mission work. Matter of fact, let me share with you 
a better way. Let me share with you Dr. Paul Chitwood directly. I'm going to let him speak for just a few minutes to you about the great work that IMB is doing amongst the church. Go ahead and let that play. On behalf of the International Mission Board, I want to thank you, Southern Baptist, for 175 years of working together to get the gospel to the nations. Thank you for providing for nearly 3,700 IMB missionaries through your cooperative program and Lottie Moon Christmas offering gifts. Your faithful financial support and unwavering prayer support are the lifelines for Southern Baptist International Missions. Throughout our 175-year history, Southern Baptists have maintained an uninterrupted witness among the nations in spite of famines, wars, civil unrest, and even as we have experienced this year, pandemics. This commitment has not come without sacrifice by your missionaries and their continued witness cannot continue without your sacrificial support. Last year, Southern Baptist gave over $157 million to support international missionaries in the third highest Lottie Moon offering ever received. IMB also received just over $99 million through the cooperative program, and that's the third consecutive year that CP giving top $99 million for IMB receipts. In recent weeks, we've heard new reports of how your Southern Baptist missionaries continue to be a part of God's work on the international mission field, where more than half a million people heard a gospel witness last year, resulting in nearly 90,000 new believers. In Central Asia, IMB teams created gospel witness videos for 99 different languages that were shown through social media. Production has begun on gospel videos for the last 11 languages of Central Asia which have no Bible tools of any kind. Believing Southeast Asians have set up a studio for scripture translation and the local deaf church is working with IMB colleagues to evangelize, plant churches, and work on Bible translations with other new believers and complete Bible stories in all the neighboring countries of Southeast Asia. In North Africa and the Middle East, evangelism has happened in clinics, in gyms, living rooms, coffee shops, barber shops, parks, and classrooms, all places where your Christian workers normally interact with people in their communities on a daily basis. In South Asia, small congregations dedicated 30 minutes a day for 30 days to talk to people intentionally about Jesus. Over the course of one month, these faithful individuals shared with more than 7,000 people the Lord has worked mightily among an animus people group in the mountains of East Asia. The church has grown, and there are hundreds of believers among this group in a remote village. Now the church is working to send out missionaries to reach other unreached groups with the gospel. Has everyone heard? No, everyone has not yet heard. We know that every second, two people die without knowing Christ. We know that 25% of spoken languages do not have scripture to share the gospel in their heart languages. And that is why Southern Baptist, your IMB is still sending your missionaries. And these faithful workers are still sharing the gospel wherever the Lord places them. Uh, whether in a temporary location due to COVID-19 or through new digital channels during a lockdown. Praise God, the gospel is advancing. And you're a part of this eternal work through your giving, you're praying, you're sending, and you're going. Every church, regardless of its size or resources, has a part to play in reaching every nation with the gospel. And the nations are waiting. Thank you for doing your part.
I can stand before you today, <clears throat> having had breakfast with Dr. Chitwood and, and, and several conversations with him at the convention this week, there's no greater task that we can be about as Southern Baptists than supporting our IMB missionaries and helping join with the calling out those called you'll see in a few moments and helping to support sending our missionaries around the world. Now, I don't have this in the slides, so y'all bear with me. I'm going to freelance for a minute, okay? This is free, y'all, okay? In a sea of 17,000 people, shoulder to shoulder, I've never been in a crowd of people more large than that at the Southern Baptist Convention. I've been to Carnivale in Italy. I've been shoulder to shoulder in some of the world's most densest populations, but it was a sea of people at the SBC Convention. The greatest attendance at the SBC Conference since 1995, okay? I, ladies... Y'all hear me now. I sympathize with you, okay? Because there wasn't a time where I had to use the restroom that I didn't have to wait in a line of 20 guys, okay? It was challenging. So I hear you. We're going to build more bathrooms for our ladies, right? It was a challenging time. But guess who I run into? In that sea of people, without coordinating, without text messaging, without trying to link up and share relationships, I run into who else but Brother Dr. Regan Miller, our IMB missionary to Vietnam who's home right now, came home for his brother who was sick, who ended up passing away from his sickness and still cannot get back to Vietnam because of the country being closed with the pandemic issues. And as him and I are on a beeline headed to crash right into each other in the convention, we stop and there we are. God puts us together again, this time not in Vietnam, but here at the convention. No pre-coordination, and we begin to talk about all of the activities. Isn't it wonderful and interesting? I find it divine, if you will, how God has put us right in the forefront of supporting not only our IMB missionary to Vietnam, but also having a hand in training and developing and equipping pastors and church leaders and church planters in Vietnam through their training at the Vietnamese Bible Institute. What a wonderful God thing that God is doing with our church, allowing us to be a part of that. And that's just one continent, y'all. One continent where we have an IMB missionary serving. What a wonderful thing. Well, let me move on to strategic action number two. And I want to share with you God's promise about who will build his church. What responsibility do we have as the church to be about this issue of church planting and developing and growing churches? Well, let me give you the basis in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus tells us who truly is responsible for building his church and by whose power it will happen. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let me share with you vision strategic action number two. To add 5,000 new churches to the Southern Baptist family, giving us more than 50,000 churches by 2025. Now, folks, I don't believe that's a number for us to just boast in the fact that we have reached 50,000 churches I believe it's adding 50,000 more churches who are proclaiming, or 5,000 more churches who are proclaiming the gospel around the nations. I believe that's the emphasis. 50 more congregations, just like you and I, who have a heart for understanding our responsibility of making disciples, of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, of teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and to help sending them to go and proclaim the gospel. Vision 2025 Strategic Action 2 is to help reach and plant 5,000 new churches. Now, we have an action arm within the Southern Baptist Convention called the North American Mission Board, 
What used to be the, the home board or the foreign board, now we have IMB and NAM. Now, you've just heard from our international mission board president, Dr. Paul Chitwood. Here's a message I want to share with you from Dr. Kevin Ezell, who heads up the strategy and all that we are doing right here on the North American continent to share the gospel and to plant churches in every location that needs to hear the gospel. Hear what Kevin has to say about that issue. I want to thank you for giving to the cooperative program and to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. These resources allow us to support the missionaries that you and other Southern Baptist churches are sending throughout North America, and we are so grateful. Let me just take a few moments to share how your gifts are at work through the North American Mission Board. NAM has two primary areas of ministry, Sin Network and Sin Relief. Through Sin Network, we help Southern Baptists plant new churches throughout the U.S. and Canada. We help plant churches everywhere. But we are making a special effort in our largest cities where more than 80% of the population live. Your giving enables us to train and equip more than 5,000 missionaries. It also provides resources to pay for meeting spaces, Bibles, and ministry equipment. As these new churches multiply, your giving reaches more and more people for the gospel. Sin Relief is our other primary ministry area. We help churches share the gospel while providing for physical needs to bring hope to those who are hurting. This past year, our most visible relief efforts were for hurricane survivors in Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico. Now we are expanding to minister to people in poverty to internationals and refugees, to children of foster <coughs> care, and even to those trying to escape from the horror of human trafficking. Of course, all of these efforts would ultimately be hollow if we did not couple them with the life-changing message of the gospel. That hope permeates our Sin Network church planning strategy and the Sin Relief Compassion Ministries. Thank you again. For your partnership. You are making a huge difference for God's kingdom. I pray you will continue to be a light for Jesus in your community. Please connect with us to learn more about ways that we could serve you. May God bless you and your ministry. How many of you have never seen Kevin Ezell before? Have no idea who that guy was, right? He would, he would probably tell you you're not missing anything, right? Uh, but what they do and the leadership provided helps us reach lost all around our nation here in America. I sometimes will hear comments from church folk that say, why are we worried about them, preacher? We got our own folks right here at home. You're right, we do. How can we impact that? And we have an arm within the SBC family called the North American Mission Board to help us plant churches and take the gospel to our communities and plant those churches where they are needed. I also want to share with you strategic action vision number three that leads us to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So the basis for this understanding is that we are called to develop leaders and establish a leadership training pipeline within the church that can replicate and reproduce itself so that there are leaders to do the work. Often people say that, well, you just need to hire some more pastors and hire more staff. Well, the biblical model is to help a church grow and to reach its potential, we need to be deliberately calling out those who are called, training leaders for their role in advancing the kingdom of God. 
be it our ladies for women's ministry, be it our ladies and men for the mission field to go to IMB or to be part of NAM and to be a planting church member to go there. Here's vision number three, according to 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. You then, my child, again, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. This letter, chapter, chapter or book two, 2, Timothy, could be considered Paul's last will and testament, okay? This is what we believe to be the very last letter of the 13 epistles that he wrote to the New Testament church. This would be his last one that we believe was written by him. And he reminds Timothy, by the way, bring my scrolls and parchment and my cloak with you when you come to see me. I mean, he's talking about his property, possessions, but he's leaving Timothy with an exhortation to help carry the church into the next generation for Timothy and for you and I. And here's what it says. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Folks, if there was ever of Scripture that says we need to be developing church leaders as a church to send to the mission field to equip the saints for the work of the gospel ministry, this passage would hit it square on the nose. So here's vision strategic action number three for us as a member of the Southern Baptist Convention of Churches. Increase our total number of workers in the field through a new emphasis on the calling out the called, and then preparing those who are called out by the Lord. Now, folks, I would argue we're already, we're already in that process, aren't we? Many of you know we've had three men that are currently either ordained or in the process of. Pastor Corey is one that we have trained to lead here. Brother Ryan, uh, who we have licensed, is now in Honduras on the mission field. We will ordain him this fall to the pastoral ministry. And then we've got Brother Greg Coker, who is entering the process and going through that exploration right now. But folks, we have a responsibility of calling out the called and preparing them through training, through education, through opportunities to grow leaders so that God's church will continue to grow. Matter of fact, who preached last Sunday when I wasn't here? Pastor Corey did, didn't he? We didn't have to call outside to get a pulpit supply, Pastor. Somebody that we didn't know, someone we're not sure their theology of, maybe sound, we don't know. And he's a foreigner. He's not us. He's not our church family. Isn't it wonderful when we train up our own leaders that we have people that can carry on the task of the gospel despite who's leading from the pulpit? Sunday school teachers. How many of you are Sunday school teachers now that are teaching Sunday school? You can raise your hands. Don't be ashamed. Call it out. I see you over there. (laughs) right? Now, raise your hand if you've never taught Sunday school before coming here and being a part of Eisenman World Baptist Church. One, two, raise your hands up high, right? Lift them up. People need to see it, right? Because guess what? We're training leaders to carry on the gospel task of calling out the called to use their gifting to serve the kingdom of God. Folks, that's, that's our responsibility as the church. No one else is going to train your church but your church if we don't make an emphasis on that. So strategic action three, we recognize this amongst the Southern Baptist Convention. We focus a lot on evangelism, a lot on sharing the gospel, a lot on redemption and salvation. Yes, that is the main thing. But we also have a lot of men and women sitting in pews on their hands, fidgeting, not sure what do I do with this sensing that I have as a calling. Here's a a promise I will make to you. If you feel called or led to lead in some aspect to use your gifting to serve the body of Christ, 
please let me know. And I will help you through all the resources that I'm, I, I'm privy to, to get you in the right seat, in the right position, with the right giftings and the right skills, so that you can use your gift and your passion to make an impact for the kingdom of God. It takes an army of God's soldiers to advance his kingdom. And that's us, every one of us. Strategic action number four. Let me share this one with you. If you'll turn to the Great Commission passage in Matthew chapter 28, and we'll start at verses 19 through 20. Let me preface it with 18, saying that all authority under heaven and upon earth has been given unto me. That's what Jesus says to us, telling us for this commission that he's going to give us. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Right? So there is no greater authority than what Jesus is fixing to tell us here now on this mountaintop experience in Galilee, where he is now going to give this great commission to his disciples, and then this will be the last time that they see him, by the way. Y'all remember Mount Sinai, and God came down from heaven and gave the Ten Commandments? Now God has ascended to the heaven top, uh, mountaintop in Galilee, and he's fixing to ascend into heaven. And the last thing he gives his great commission is, his disciples, is this great commission. Look at it with me, if you will, in the scripture. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, folks, this wasn't a great suggestion that God gave to us. This was the great commission, the commandment we were given to follow, to make disciples. And what makes disciples? It starts with an understanding of our sin and our wretched state before God and our need for a Redeemer, Jesus, and understanding the propitiation that He bore. He took on our sin, who knew no sin, so that we may become His righteousness. And that blood of Calvary, that cross, that tomb, that resurrection was the payment for our sin. And Jesus says that if you come to me, for whosoever will, come. Jesus saves us. So when that salvation experience happens, that's the beginning of disciple making. You've heard me say this before. I'm not a real good pastor at making church folk. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not real good in that area. Because I've not been called to make church people. I've been called to make disciples. And if you want to be a good church guy, I'm probably not going to teach you good ecclesiology from the aspect of how to be a good church member. But I will pour into you day and night how to be a disciple of Jesus. Because that's what he's commissioned us all to. Go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Right? But the emphasis here on baptizing, what Dr. Floyd shared with us was a great understanding of the, the tremendous decline in children baptisms from the ages of 12 to 17 specifically have declined, almost plummeted. Now, I don't have this pretty chart to show you, right? But if I could just demonstrate it, 1950, teenage baptisms was here, right? I'm not much taller, so that, that's all I can do, right? Today, teenage baptisms are down here. And over the years, it has been a steady decline all the way down. Now, why is that? I hear the argument, okay? I believe wholeheartedly that no man comes unto Christ unless the Father calls him. That there's a prompting from the Holy Spirit that we have to have, that the Spirit of God draws us to a relationship with Him. And here's, here's how I'll answer that prompting. If you're under the sound of my voice, or if you've ever heard a preacher or a teacher proclaim the gospel of Jesus, God has called you into a relationship with Him. 
Because God's word will not return void. If you have heard the gospel proclaimed, God has spoken to you about your need for salvation. Now, whether you receive it or not, that's on you. But God has made it clear that he wants every man, every tribe, every tongue, every nation to bow to him as Lord and Savior. To know him, to be redeemed by his blood, to offer the final sacrifice once and for all for the atonement of the sins of the world. That's what Jesus did for us. So Dr. Floyd in our convention has understood the need to reemphasize how much we invest in discipling our teenage, our youth, our middle school, our elementary, our preschool children, and how much we pour into our youth ministries to make sure that they are equipped with the very best teachers, that they are equipped with the very best resources. I shared with Pastor Corey one of the one of the booths at the convention. See, when I go to the convention, I'm like a coyote. You know what a coyote, right, Keith? Coyote will just take whatever he can get and use it for his own benefit. And that's kind of what I do for y'all. I go there and I pillage all the people at the convention to see what I can bring back for you for our benefit here as a church. And one of the sites I ran into, one of the vendors that was there, <clears throat> he had this little virtual reality little thing I put on my head. First time I've ever stuck one to my forehead. It was a virtual reality, like a felt like a fighter pilot. It covered my face. I put it on. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll try it. You know, you know how it is. They flag you down, right? You're walking by trying not to pay attention. And they tap you on the shoulder and you can't help but respond. I mean, it's a Christian convention, y'all. You can't just be ugly to them. You, you got to turn around and give them a couple minutes, right? Well, he taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, all right, I'll act like I'm interested. And he's like, well, have you ever seen Israel? I said, well, actually, yes, I have. Uh, you know, I've seen it. He said, but I bet you haven't seen it this way. I said, okay, I'm interested. So he throws this thing on my face and immediately he says, do you recognize where you're at? I said, Capernaum. He said, well, yes, it is. And I'm standing on top of a house in Capernaum and I'm looking around in 360 degrees downstairs. I'm watching people walk through the streets and I can see the present day Capernaum on this headset like I'm standing there physically in the city. Jerusalem. I can walk through the Temple Mount and I can go into the Holy of Holies and I can go behind the curtain and I can see the Ark of the Covenant, the lampstand, the showbread. I can see the bronze wash basins and all the stuff that's there. I can see it. All of a sudden, it clicked in my head. Our kids would dig that. Matter of fact, our senior adults would dig that, right? I'm thinking, man, what a great use of technology to help bring the Bible alive for those that may never get the privilege of going to Israel. But they can put it on in a Sunday school class and their teacher can help walk them through what they're seeing. And it can, can become real to them. And it's not just a fictional story in some book grandma reads from. We can make them see that it's real. Taste it, feel it, touch it. I mean, they already play with that stuff all day long anyway. Why don't we bring some of that technology into our Sunday school classes to help those under the age of 18 understand that this isn't fiction. This is real. There's a real place called Capernaum that one day you can go there if you like. Matter of fact, we'll send you as an IMB missionary. How about that? What a wonderful way to leverage technology. Just one example for you. The things that we could do in helping our children and those under the age of 18 understand that this is real. It's not fiction. It's not folklore. It's salvation for those who believe. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Folks, the power of what we can do. But vision number five, let me share with you the scriptural basis for number five. <clears throat> now this was a little lengthy. Second Corinthians 
chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. All right, I'm just going to let you know right off, this is about your money, y'all. All right? It's about your heart, about your giving, about your faithfulness, about your generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. Y'all catch that part. Extreme poverty. They weren't a wealthy church. They weren't a mega church. They weren't a city seat church with lots of wealthy businessmen and women. Paul's describing their extreme poverty that overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. See, Paul was collecting an offering to take back to Jerusalem for the famine and what was going on there. And Macedonia, being a Gentile church, said, you know what? Our Jerusalem brothers, our, our Israeli believers in Christ, our Messianic Jews, if you will, today we could call them. We want to help relieve them. Even though we're a Gentile church, we want to show unity, uniformity in what we believe that the gospel changes everyone. And this little impoverished church in Macedonia says we're going to give to relieve the famine of our Jewish brothers in Christ in Israel. That's what Paul is there collecting. And this is, that's what he's talking about. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. You see, the heart of it, they were committed to doing the work of the Lord. They were committed to the Great Commission and advancing the gospel by whatever means, and they used their generosity, they used their possessions, they used their wealth to help advance the kingdom. Dr. Chitwood, Dr. Kevin Ezell, both of them men spoke about the money and the investment being made around the nations. It takes the resources that we have to help do that. Look in verse 5. Not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he started, so he should complete amongst you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything... In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, and in our love for you, see you also excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove. Now check this out. Look at verse 8, man. We often say, well, it's not my works. I don't have to do anything. I've already got my salvation. Look what Paul summarizes this last verse. I say this not as a command, not legalism but to prove by the earnest, earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Is genuine. So here's strategic vision number five. Increase our annual giving in successive years to reach and surpass $500 million given through the cooperative program to achieve Great Commission goals. Great Commission goals. Consider this the great famine in Israel and our little church in Macedonia here is pledging that we're going to cooperate and support and join the greater vision of what the church at large is doing in the way that we give to the cooperative program. If you're on the stewardship committee, your ears should be perking up right now. We should be thinking about what are the opportunities to increase cooperative program giving. You know we've done that every year for the last five years here. We've increased cooperative program giving, and we have a strategy taking us to 2028 
that eventually will lead us to 20% of the tithes and offerings given to this church will go to the mission field. 10% of that will go to IMB, to the cooperative program, to NAM, to the North American Mission Board. We will give 10% to the cooperative program at some point in our next several years. 10% of missions that we do locally, home, and abroad ourselves. That's the direction and the path that we're on already, and it's continuing to increase every year. So I'd argue we've already grabbed on to strategic vision number five. Lastly, let me share with you vision number six. Let's go once again to our scriptures. Now, let me give you a little background before we read the scriptures. Okay? This was not part of Dr. Floyd's presentation. Let me give you the power of messengers. Messengers are people that your church, that any church, that our church elects from the congregation, and then they empower us with the voice of our church to go to the Southern Baptist Convention, to go to the state convention, to go to the associational meeting, and we do the will of our church at the convention. And when we see something's missing, or we see something just doesn't quite sound right, or maybe we see something missing that we need to add to say, hey, we think this would be good as well. Messengers at the convention have the opportunity to stand up from the floor and make a motion to petition an action on behalf of the convention. So I'm going to give you strategic vision number six that originated with the messengers at the SBC convention this week. It was not part of the original plan for lots of different reasons, but it got adopted as item six of our 2025 vision. And if you're familiar with Acts chapter 1-8, I chose this scripture, but I, could, I believe it's fitting. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Jesus' witnesses, right? In Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. We are the witness. The church is the witness of Jesus Christ. We carry on his representation as the visible kingdom of God here on earth. Why is that so important? Because, folks, there's a lot of things that often happen in some churches, unfortunately, where the world gets into the church or sin gets into the minister, into the leader, or somewhere else. And for too often, we haven't condemned it as strongly as we ought to have. We believe wholeheartedly in the autonomy of the local church, that no one has governorship or bishopship over the local church. But we as an association of churches, we as a convention of churches, both at the state and national level, do have power in our voice as we speak in unity against some of these issues. So the last one is this, to prayerfully endeavor before God to eliminate all instances of sex abuse and racial discrimination among our churches. That was adopted and presented by the messengers at the SBC convention. We do that. Why? Because we are his witnesses throughout all the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter ends of the earth. We represent the grace of Jesus Christ. And we cannot have those issues amongst his church. Resolution 6 on Tuesday, if you care to read that, you can Google it. SBC Resolution 6 2021. And you will see the strong statement that was given on our stance regarding the issue of any member of clergy that is hired that has a past history of sexual abuse. We've spoken strongly against that, making it irreprehensible that any church would employ a pastor that has been committed of sexual abuse in some other place at some other time in the ministry and then be called to pastor another church somewhere else. Folks, that happens, unfortunately. But we're taking a concerted effort to stand against that, to fight against racial discrimination of all kinds in our churches. 
So let me leave you with one last verse to ponder. And again, I promise you, you'll notice I've given you enough. You just focus on one of those each day this week and pray about those issues. So here's how you can join the prayer effort. If you've got a smartphone, I'm going to blow your mind. Y'all ready for this? This is my first time doing this, and I was like, wow, this is cool. I'm going to use this all the time. If you've got a smartphone, I'd invite you to take out your camera, open your camera up, right? Mike, even you can do this, okay? And scan that little QR code right where you're sitting. Just try it. If you've got a phone with you, a smartphone, I'm going to expand your horizons. Scan that QR code, and you're going to have to zoom in with your camera, right? And once you've got it, it's going to send you a link for you to join and hit text vision 2021, and it's going to enroll you to be part of the vision prayer team to pray for this vision for the SBC churches from now until 2025 to help it come true. How many of y'all got the notification on your phone? Did you get it? How about that? Isn't that awesome? Right? Simple. We're going to do one of them for tithing too. <laughs> Just kidding, right? Seriously. But what a, what a great way to join with our convention of churches to pray for this vision, to pray for one another, to pray for these. And every day you'll get a, a reminder, a text message from Vision 2021 about what we're praying for this day. I'm on day five right now. I've got vision number, I think today was vision number five, five days since this has been shared. So I've gotten five daily prayer prompts about praying for this vision, uh, about what we are doing as a convention of Southern Baptist churches. We are great commission churches. So with that, let me close with this verse of Scripture to encourage you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's good, isn't it? And why do we do it? Let me close with this final image. We do it because the cross of Calvary. There's a picture supposed to be of the image coming up. We do it because of what Jesus did for you and me. Because on that cross, on that tree, he gave it all so that we could be free. What a wonderful understanding of what we were a part of. How big our God is. How great our God is. We sung about that at the beginning of our service. We've dedicated our children to this greatness of God. Have we dedicated all of us in our life to fulfilling his purpose for us? That's a challenge we can all take. So let me close this in prayer. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I know you've heard a lot today. You've heard a lot of information. You've heard a lot about vision. You've heard a lot of scripture that was chosen to support what we are doing. Now I ask you to pray with me in our church as we embrace and embody what it is God is doing through us, what he wants to do through you, through your individual effort, through our collective effort, through our sacrifice, through our giving, through our times, our talents, our tithes, our treasures. All of those things, folks, have a greater role in the kingdom of God than we often even consider at the church level. We go about our daily life. So I pray that God will burden your heart, and through that will be a conviction and a fire that will help us together be the great commission Baptist that he's called us to be. So, Father, I pray for each and every person here. Lord, for our desire to follow you in obedience. And we know time and time and time again you have shown us that obedience comes before blessings. So, Father, we thank you for the conviction of obedience to be about your work that transcends our own family, as important as that is to many of us. As we celebrate Father's Day, 
Nothing I would die for more than my children. But Father, you called us to an even greater work to help make children of God around the world. So Father, I pray you give us a burden as a church. Give us vision and understanding. Give us prompting and compelling us to be about this greater work that we often lose sight of in our day-to-day life. Father, I thank you for our leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. While there is no perfect church and no perfect leader, but we know the perfect peace that you give us through the gospel of Jesus. And it's Jesus we proclaim. Father, I pray that you convict us of our need to be on mission for you. And Lord, I pray if there's one person here, one person at home, one person way off in the distance on Facebook that's watching, that's seeing this live stream, that has heard the gospel presented, that's heard about this call to take the nations for Christ, to present the gospel around the world. And they may be sitting here in their own living rooms, watching, not knowing themselves what is the gospel. Father, I pray that you would convict them through the Holy Spirit of their need for repentance of sin, to place their trust and faith in Christ, Lord, and to accept him as Lord and Savior. You remind us that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart, then I will be saved. For one confesses with the mouth unto righteousness, and one believes in the heart unto salvation. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, I pray that you would give that conviction to those that are watching, listening, and if there's one here that doesn't know you, during our time of response and song, if they need to pray that prayer and want to make that publicly known, that I pray that they would get up from their seat and come forward and pray with me here and receive you as Lord and Savior. Father, if there's one here that's torn about the mission field and whether or not they should be a missionary that's been struggling with that and this has spurred them and stoked that fire that's already been dwelling, Lord, I pray they will make that public. Help us to help them to call out the call. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.